All right, so uh, there might be more of those to come. You probably don't want to miss next week's. Um, uh, it's going to be good. Um, but isn't it interesting that State Farm has kind of got it, that, that their definition of being a good neighbor is being there when people need you. I mean, that's it. I know it's a business model. I know they're trying to sell something. But the whole idea for them is when, when, when someone needs you, that, that really is the definition of being a good neighbor. Well, we're in this series, uh, this idea of like a good neighbor. What, what, if we were going to finish that, like a good neighbor, what would you do? What would you do? And, and last week, I, I tried to set up this series and say, look, this is a serious command that Jesus gives. That Jesus isn't playing around when he says the most important thing is to love God with your heart and with your soul and with your mind. And then to say the second is like it or the second is connected to it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus meant that. He really meant what he said. And when we talk about our neighbors, uh, I'm talking about our literal neighbors, right? We, we understand that our neighbors mean everyone we come in contact with, but, but in this series, I really want us to take a look at our literal neighbors, that the people who live right around you, that God, I believe, has put into your life and in your way for a purpose. And look, you, you may be in their way for a purpose. They, they may have an opportunity to serve and to love you as well. But, but what if we took those relationships seriously. And now I know that, that, that there's all kinds of emotions and things that come with the idea of being a good neighbor, especially to your neighbors. I know, I know there's all kinds of things that stir up, and, and I got to be honest with you, in the year and a half that I've been the lead pastor, and, I, and, and as I start a series, I don't think I've ever had a series where I had so much feedback afterwards. So many people coming to me and telling me uh, about their neighbors and what they're trying to do in the life of their neighbors and, and stories of how bad their neighbors are. <laughs> really, it was, it was, I'm like, you're right, those are horrible neighbors. But, but, what, what, if, you, what if you love them? Even in spite of, of who they are and, and, and how mean they are and angry and manipulative and, and trying to cause harm on you, what if? What if when Jesus said the second most important thing is to love your neighbor as yourself, this was his plan for us? That this was his plan for the way the world was going to look different was literally by loving our neighbors. I heard a story this week. It's happening in Florida right now. Maybe some of you have heard this. Uh, there's a lady who keeps complaining about her neighbors, and the reason she's complaining about her neighbors is because their barbecue smoke keeps coming into her property. You heard this? They're barbecuing all the time, and the lady doesn't like that the smoke is coming across the street to her house. And so she is calling code enforcement, and there's a video, code enforcement comes and, and basically tells them they've they got to figure this out and, and, and quit letting the smoke leave their property, right? <laughs> and this is what the guy says in, in an article I read. He says, I should probably take her some food. And like, th this is what's brilliant there. Like, I, I don't know if he meant it. I don't know if this was just a sarcastic saying, but, but again, what if? What if he was to go over and say, look, I know this has been a, a hindrance. I know you haven't liked this, but, but here's some food, and it's really good food. Like, what would happen? What would happen if those of us, specifically today, those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, what if we took this, the command of Jesus seriously that we should love our neighbor? I, I think that there could be a movement, this neighboring movement that takes place. And so when this, this Pharisee, this religious leader, comes to Jesus, and he tries to trap Jesus, and he says, Look, tell us what the most important law is. What, what's the most important thing that we should be doing or should not be doing? There, there's all kinds of things that Jesus could say. There was over 600 laws that this Jewish man would have been referring to. 
There's all kinds of things that Jesus could point out. He could point out the one thing that he thought that they should not be doing. Look, the don't murder, that's a really important one. Don't do that. Uh, committing adultery, don't do that. You, you should probably not, that, that's not a loving thing to do. That won't, won't work for you. Right? But, but Jesus doesn't point that out. And I was thinking this last week as the, the, the presidential debates start coming and as we head into that season, all of those guys are going to hold firm to one or two things. And they're going to all have an agenda. And in the midst of that, Jesus could have taken an agenda of what not to do. And oftentimes for us as followers of Jesus, we kind of hold on to the things that we're not supposed to do. Like to be a good follower of Jesus, I don't do these things. Jesus goes a totally different direction. He says, look, if, if you want to have it, uh, have it all together, if you want to do what you're supposed to do, then the instructions are to love God and to love people as you love yourselves. As you love yourself. So as much as you care about your own needs, as, as much as you care about your own life, you should care that much about your neighbor. And he says this, and this is huge. He says, all the law and the prophets, all of what you read in the Old Testament, he's talking to a Jewish person, Everything you've read, hang on those two things. It's the Cliff Notes version of the Old Testament. That you should love God with everything you have and that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus leaves and that's the instruction that he gives us. And I said last week there's three things that are going to have to happen um, if we're going to actually do this. And and before we can go any farther in the series, we, we really have to understand these three things. And one is that love values the other person. Love values the other person, that all people are made in the image of God. Every one of your neighbors, no matter what they believe, no matter if they're a Muslim, no matter if they're gay, it doesn't matter if they're extremely poor, it doesn't matter if they're extremely rich, it doesn't matter. There's no conditions that Jesus gives here. He simply says, love your neighbor, and to do that, we have to put value in other people's lives. We have to value them. And when we look at them, we have to say, look, they are made in the image of God, and I'm going to love them like they're made in the image of God. And they have value. And that said that love is costly. Love will cost you something. If you're going to love your neighbor, it's going to cost you. And then finally, I said love is intentional. It's not going to just happen. You're not going to be a good neighbor on accident. That, that you have to be on purpose. And so I gave you a challenge last week, and we had these uh, charts, and if you didn't get one, or maybe you're like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll do that, uh, I would really encourage you to work on this. There's some more in the back. There's one on Facebook as well. But, but I just simply said, look, if you're going, this is a mind-blowing statement I know, uh, if you're going to like your neighbors, if you're going to love your neighbors, you have to know your neighbors. You have to know them. Who, who lives next to you? And a great way to start is to know their names. And so letter A is, do you know your neighbor's names? And the letter B, do you, do you know a little bit about them? Do, do they work? Do they have kids? What, what is it that, that kind of uh, is a simple thing you could find out about them? And then C is the in-depth stuff. What are their dreams? What are their worries? Is someone sick? Are they going through a divorce? Uh, is something going wrong with their children? Have they been out of a job? What, what's going on? That would be letter C. And so if we're going to be a good neighbor, we have to know our neighbors. And so I would encourage you, it's not too late. You can work on this, and as you find stuff, you can scribble it down, put it on your refrigerator, put it somewhere you'll see it, but, but really do this. Because again, Jesus meant it. I think a lot of times we read the scriptures and we get with people, and we're like, what was Jesus saying here? What did Jesus really mean when he said this? And so we have Bible studies, and we have all kinds of commentaries, and I think this one's pretty simple. I think it's pretty straightforward that we should love our neighbors 
as ourselves. And what would happen if we did this? Like, what would happen if all of us in the room really began to love our neighbors? Could that really change anything? Yeah, I think so. I think it could change a community. It could change our neighborhoods. It could change a city. I, I do. I believe that because I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe in the power of who Jesus is. And if Jesus says this is the plan, then it should work. It should work. But, but it feels like alone, what, what difference can I make? But what if we all did it together? There's a guy named Eric Whitaker. He is a composer, and he writes these beautiful scores. And, and there was this girl who, who found one of the pieces that he wrote. And so he, she recorded her part and posted it on YouTube and sent it to uh, Eric Whitaker. And then Eric Whitaker had this idea, well, what if I got more people to do this? What if there were people out there who would take this song and they would sing their part, and then we could have this virtual choir? I wonder if anybody would do it. Uh, watch just about a minute of, of what he came up with. Now, there's a video that goes with that. It wasn't working, but that's okay. You get the idea. And, and so he thought, well, anybody do this? And he had 185 people send in themselves singing this song, and he composes it, and he puts it together from 12 different countries. There's this beautiful idea that one person alone, it sounds cool, but 185 people making music together in harmony, doing their part. It sounds beautiful. There's a movement, and he's continued to do it. And the, the most recent one, he has over 5,000 voices creating these beautiful songs and this music and harmony of working together. What if? I mean, what, what, what would it look like? What, what if, if, if us together were a part of this movement and we said, all right, I'm going to do my part, and you do your part, and you do your part, and you do your part, and together, what, what if we made something beautiful? We can do that. We can do that, but we can do that together. And so as I was preparing for this, and I thought, man, this is this could really be a movement. I think this series has great potential. And a few months ago, as we were talking about this series, and I lined up where we were headed and what I was going to talk about, uh, I knew that I was going to talk about what I'm talking about today, several months ago. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't like it. I didn't like what I was going to talk about today because as I preach um, and I teach, I'm, I'm in this with you. And as I, as I do this, I'm always, you know, reflecting on myself and, and checking out how I'm doing and and some weeks I'm doing better than others, but this week I'm not doing well. And, and so I want you to know that if you get nothing out of this, uh, I am. I will. And God has been, uh, God has been speaking to me and uh, trying to help me rearrange uh, some things in my life to actually do what God's called me to be uh, in being a good neighbor. And I think one of the main things that keeps us from loving our neighbors is our busyness. It's our busyness. 
that we don't have the time. We don't have the time to be a good neighbor. And for some of you, you're in a stage of life, you're like, man, I got all the time in the world. I'm not busy. And, and so hopefully this is an encouragement to you. And some of you are like, look, I, I've, I've made some changes in my life. I've, I've got my schedule under control uh, and, and you're doing well. And again, maybe this is an encouragement to you. But I know how our culture works and I know how busy we are. And I know that busyness and not having time will keep us from being able to love our neighbor. It will keep us from being a good neighbor. And if I asked you how many of you did this, some of you would say, well, I meant to, but I ran out of time. I was going to make time. I took it with me. I was going to do it, but time just got away from me. And so I I know that it's an issue as we're going to do this. And, And the reason I think this is often hard for us is because we think we don't have a limit to our lives. That there's some areas in our lives where we say, look, I know I'm limited in my energy. Right? The older we get, the more we realize, look, I only have so much energy, so many areas I can spend that energy. And then we look at money and we say, look, I know I have a limit to my money. Some of us don't live like we have a limit to our, our money, but there is a limit to your money. But then when we look at time, we're like, no, it's unlimited. That's the way we live. We, we live this, this life that says, I have all the time in the world. And this is how that acts itself out, as we say things like, well, I'll do it next week. Or this is just a season. This is just a busy season. I have young kids, and, and one day I'll have all the time in the world. Right? But, but we make statements like, well, I've got to make time. I've got to find time. I'll just have to find time to make that happen. But we don't. And so being busy and not having time, I believe, is one of the main things that's keeping myself at times from being a good neighbor. I mean, I'm just not, I don't feel like I'm available. I don't feel like I'm, uh, I'm really honestly doing what I could be doing because of my busyness. And there is a limit to your time. Uh, I, like I said, I don't live like this. I overcommit. It's really hard for me to say no to people. Like, I, I, I wear the pastor hat, and I'm like, oh, I can't say no. I got to do everything and be everywhere. And, and so I overcommit. I don't say no. And if you're like me, you often base your decision on whether or not you can do something on if the calendar is open, right? If someone asks me if I can do something, I flip open my calendar. Actually, I, I pull up my calendar on my phone and, oh yeah, I don't have anything going on that night. Yeah, I can do it. And so I base my decisions on, do I have anything else going on? And it's not wise. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Uh, I think that I always believe there's tomorrow, there's next week. I'll get there eventually, and, and there's even a couple of people I'm trying to get with and have meals with, and I just look at my calendar, I'm like, I have no time. I have no time. And so I, I'm trying to rearrange those things in my life, and one of the ways that, that, that God is doing that for me is to understand that I'm limited in my time. Uh, Job was a guy in the Old Testament uh, who loses everything, and he's kind of at, at his end, and, and this is what happens in Job 14.5. Uh, there's going to be several scriptures we're going to look at quickly. If you want to write page numbers down, you can. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to take a Bible. This is our gift to you. Uh, but in Job, it says this, Job 14.5. It says, man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Talking about God here. Man's days are determined. God, you know what my days look like. That you've decreed the number of this. My my days are limited. I'm not going to exceed what God has planned for me. The moments I have are the moments that God is going to give me. 
They're determined. They're numbered. But I was like, we live like that. And, and as I was thinking about money and I was thinking about energy, literally every moment you have, you spend. You can't save them. You don't get to the end of your life. You're like, nope, I, I had some I saved. Uh, I have a few more months. I set those aside. It, do, it doesn't. The moment you get, you spend. So we have to begin to say, all right, God, you, you've numbered my days. How am I going to live those days? I heard a story of a man this week. He was in his 50s, and he felt like he had been consumed with work, and he had missed out on his relationship with his kids and his marriage, and he hadn't made the most of his days. And uh, he thought, man, if I had 30 more years, if I could live 30 more years, that would great, be great. And so he started looking at how many Saturdays he then had. And, and so he told his, his wife, look, I'm leaving. I'll, I'll be back here in a little while. And he comes back, and he comes back with marbles. And he comes back with over 1,500 marbles, and he has them in a large glass container, and he sets them on his dresser in his room. And every Saturday, he takes out a marble, and he sets it aside. And the next week, every Saturday, he takes out a marble, and he sets it aside. And he begins to realize that, that time is fleeting. And as you hear that, you're like, oh, that's depressing. Glad I came today. <laughs> All right. My, my life is like these marbles that soon will just be gone. And so you can hear that, and you can, you can go that direction. You can be depressed and sad. Or you can say, man, if that's true, which it is, I want to make the most of every day. I want to make the most of my time. I want to get away from busyness and, and really pay attention and focus on what God wants for me. My son, Cade, who's five, uh, he's been talking about heaven a lot lately. And um, he, he asked questions. Yesterday he asked if he has birthday parties in heaven. And I said, it is a huge party, but you won't have birthdays. And I think he's disappointed. And so I was like, no, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be great. Don't, don't worry. Uh, but he asked all these questions. And then almost always, almost always after asking these questions about heaven, he says this, but I don't have to worry about it, right, Daddy? I have a long time. And he always says, he says, I, I have at least till I'm like 80, right? And so for me, I'm like, yeah, bud, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. it you know, you have, a, you have a long life. Don't worry. But, but in the back of my mind, nobody knows. We, we don't know. And so Job hears, look, your, your days are numbered. Your, your days are numbered. And so what if we lived life that way. One pastor said it like this. In this life, you'll probably only be able to do a few things really well. It's a good idea to make, good idea to make certain that one of those things is what Jesus says is most important. Like if we look at our life and we say, okay, if I'm not going to be able to do everything really well, if I'm limited in my energy, I'm limited in my finances, and I'm limited in my time, and so there's only so many things I can do, I should probably work really hard to be really good at what Jesus says is important. And so if Jesus says what's most important is to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, then I should probably say I need to give some time to that. I should be intentional and say, look, I'm going to give time to being a good neighbor, which means that I can't be so busy. I just can't be so busy. And this means that we're, we will have to begin to choose what is better. We'll have to choose what is better. We're going to look at a story found in Luke 10. Luke 10, again, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you one. You can take that. Um, Luke 10. This is immediately following the question in Luke where someone comes and says, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? neighbor, or who is my neighbor, and then he tells the Good Samaritan story. I, I, I preached on that several weeks ago. You can look at that, but he, but he tells the Good Samaritan story, and he kind of lays out what it looks like to be a good neighbor, 
And then we find ourselves immediately in, in this story in Luke, Luke 10, 38 through 42. It says this, it'll be on the screen. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way, on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Look, you have Martha who does a really good thing. I mean, she's heard of Jesus, she knows Jesus, she knows that he needs a place to go, and so he, she opens her house to them. That's a great thing. And then she wants it to go really well. She, she wants Jesus to think, man, she is a great hostess. And so she's all concerned and distracted to make sure everything is looking like it's supposed to be. She's busy. And then, as lots of siblings do, uh, she goes and tells on uh, her sibling to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, aren't you going to get on to her? I mean, Jesus, you're here, and I'm trying to do all these good things for you, and all Mary is doing is sitting at your feet. And Jesus' response is, yeah, you're concerned about a lot of stuff, and you're doing a lot of good things, and you're really busy, and that's okay. But Mary, she's, she's choosing what's best. She, she's choosing better than being busy. And here's the thing uh, that hits me about this story is that Martha wasn't doing bad things. It's not that Martha was choosing something bad over Jesus. She just wasn't choosing what's better. And, and so here's what's interesting also about that story. In, in the Hebrew culture, to sit at someone's feet was this sign of them being the teacher and you being a student or being a disciple. And so to find Mary at the feet of Jesus is to say that she was a disciple of Jesus. Now, in this day and time, women didn't do that. Women didn't do that. Only men went to school. Only men were educated on the laws. Only men followed a rabbi. Only a man would sit at the foot of a teacher like that. But Mary goes against all cultural norms. She goes completely against the grain, and she says, look, I know what's best right now, and that is to be in your presence, Jesus. And so she fights against what everyone else would expect of her, and she does what is better. John Ortberg, who's a writer and author, uh, says this, uh, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. And so if we look at our lives and we look at culture, busyness is often elevated. It's almost this like badge that we wear. Look how busy I am. Look how important I am. We put our importance <clears throat> and our identity in what we do and, 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 and how people view us and our importance. And so we have to fight against culture. And so as we work jobs that says coming in early and staying late is really a good thing. Even though it's not expected, it's not paid for, but to show up early and to stay late shows how much you care about the company. Right? That, that, that's a, a time we live. To have our kids busy. To have our kids involved in a lot of 
things. And again, look, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I'm trying to figure what this, out what this means for me, for my wife and for my kids. Uh, I made a statement last week, and I felt it was really simple, and I said it earlier. Uh, but like a good neighbor, I'll know my neighbors. And this week, like a good neighbor, I'll make time for my neighbors. I'll make time for my literal neighbors. And again, this may not be hard for a lot of you. Some of you are like, look, I'm at a place in life where this is easy, but I think for a majority of us, this probably isn't the case. So two principles I'm beginning to implement in my life. Uh, If you take notes, maybe you want to write these down. Uh, Number one, I'll put the big things first. I'll put the big things first. Uh, When we go on trips and we have to pack, uh, I don't want anyone to help me. Uh, I just want all the luggage to be set out. I'll take the luggage and I'll pack. Uh, when I was the youth pastor, and I think this is a guy thing, uh, but when I was the youth pastor and we'd have 35 students going on a trip, we'd have 35 suitcases and 35 sleeping bags and 35 backpacks, and there was a ton of stuff. I, I always got frustrated if stuff just got thrown in. Like, just set everything out, let me manage, let me put things in, because what I've learned is you have to do what? You have to put the big things first. There's a priority. That there's important things that have to go in first if everything's going to fit. And so it's the same thing for you and I in our lives. If we elevate the little things, the things that aren't so important, then the things that are vital, the things that are most important, they'll, they'll run out of time. There'll be no time for them because we've elevated the things that aren't as important. And so we must begin to see that there are some things in life that are more important than others. No matter what culture tells you, no matter what you believe, no matter what you think, we have to understand that there are some things that are more important than others. Uh, psalmist, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 90 Uh, Verse 12 says this. Teach us to number our days aright, which means properly or correctly. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, show me that my life is short. Show show me that my life is short, that it's, it's leaving me. And if it is, then God, give me wisdom. Help me be wise in the decisions that I make. And this goes for all of us, especially if you're really young and you can think, oh, I'm going I'm to be older one day and, and time will slow down. It doesn't. So, so it doesn't matter if you're younger. It doesn't matter if you're older. I think everywhere we are in life to understand that God has got to give us wisdom when it comes to our time. And so instead of just saying, uh, am I free or is this a good thing to be a part of? Is this a bad thing to do? We have to ask ourselves, is this wise? Is it wise for me to commit to this? Is it wise for me to say yes to this? And as I was going through this, I thought, man, one of the things I've got to really refocus on and pay attention to is my time with God. I mean, I, I, I often squeeze it in. I, I've been busy through a day. I'm like, all right, I got to do this. And so to understand that this is the big thing, that this is the most important thing. What, what if I began my day every morning with this? And it's chaotic in my house. My kids come and run and get in my bed. And so I'm going to have to change some things. I, I can't stay up as late as I normally do. I got to get up earlier. And so myself, I have to change some things. And, and God's got to give me wisdom to know how different my life could look if I would begin to make some subtle changes in my life. Uh, there's a great app. I want to give you as many resources as I can. It's, it's called uh, The First Five. Uh, I don't know if some of you maybe are doing this, but uh, first five, you can actually, this is an app, and you can actually set your alarm through this app. And so you wake up to this app, and it gives you a short devotional every morning. And so if you would spend your first five 
minutes. What, what would your day look like? I was in the lobby today uh, talking with, with someone, and they didn't even know this is where I was headed and what I was talking about. But their, their words to me were, he, he feels so much better when he spends those first moments getting his mind right, taking care of himself. It's true. But why do we not? Because we're busy. We're busy, right? I'll, I'll make time for that. I got so many other things I got to do. I got to get my kids ready for school. I got to get into work. When I get into my office, when I get to the field, wherever I get, where I got to go, I'll, I'll spend some time. And then we get there and, and everything takes off. And then we get home and we have to do dinner and get kids to bed or whatever your life looks like. And then we're exhausted. No, tomorrow. tomorrow. We, we have to make time for this. God, give me wisdom to know that tomorrow is not promised. And here's what we have to understand, is Jesus sets an example for us. Jesus doesn't just tell us what to do. He, he lives out. He shows us how our lives should look. And so Luke 5.15, it says this. He's just healed a man of leprosy. And in Luke 5.15, it says this. And he told people, don't tell anybody I just did that, right? It says, yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Think about that. People came looking for Jesus to be healed, for their lives to be better. And what does Jesus do? He leaves. He withdraws. He goes to spend time with his heavenly Father. He, he puts the big things first. Uh, Mark 1, 35, 38. Jesus has just started his ministry. People are being healed it says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Okay, so Jesus, you show up, you start healing people, you start making a difference, and then you disappear? Everyone needs you. You're needed. You're important, Jesus. And Jesus says this, verse 16. Or, I'm sorry, uh, at the end of that. Everyone's looking for you. Verse 38, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else. Let us go somewhere else to a nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus, everyone needs you. Okay, I'm leaving then. That's what he does. He leaves, and the reason he leaves is to get away from the busyness and the chaos. And the reason he does this is to spend time with God. And this is what I thought, man. Impact and influence comes from an intimate relationship with God. If you want to have influence, if you want to have impact, that is going to come from an intimate relationship with God. And so you have to make time for that. So what if we did that? And then what if we went from there and we saw, okay, our neighbors are outside of our house, but anyone who lives in my home is my neighbor. Well, I need to be a good neighbor to them. I need to put them over some other things. And so some of us have been making some decisions and it is at the sacrifice of our children or of our marriage. I know not everyone's married, uh, but, but I do know that, that, that we make decisions and those decisions are at the sacrifice of our kids and our spouse. And, and so we have to understand that they're growing up. Uh, my, my son, my baby boy, tomorrow will go to school. It's tough. It's tough. I've taken the day off, all right? Um, uh, and, and so uh, it's going to be difficult. And so if, if I understand that this is Cade and Kennedy as well, right? So my kids, their life is going. And so I, I've got to understand that they have to take a priority over some of the other things in my life. 
And I think somewhere up there, I really believe our neighbors have to become one of the big things. Look, I, I, I know as I say this and I look at you, you're like, yeah, that's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah, you're busy. You have so much going on. But, but what if we rearrange some things in our life? What if we quit asking, do I have time? Is there anything on the calendar? Am I free? And I just say, look, I've got to take some time and I've got to spend these marbles wisely. I've got to spend them wisely. The second thing that I will do is I'll allow for interruptions. If you're like me, if you're interrupted or inconvenienced, it stresses you out. Because we're busy when something comes in the way of our plans and our busyness, it becomes difficult to do what we need to do. And so even right now, the idea of being interrupted, I don't know if that stresses you out. But I think if we're going to be a good neighbor, we have to put place in our life to be interrupted. We have to have margin. We have to have space to where if your neighbor actually needs something, if your neighbor needs you, do you have the time for them? Do you have the time? If there is a need in your neighborhood and you had the means to do it, and you could serve them and you could take care of it, do you have the time? Could you be interrupted and do something? Are you afraid of being interrupted? Uh, This is what I know about Jesus is he was always interrupted. And and a lot of the healings, a lot of the stories we have of Jesus comes being interrupted. In Mark 5, a man comes to Jesus and says, look, my daughter is dying. Will you please come and heal her? And Jesus says yes, and he makes his way. But in the midst of that, in the midst of this crowd, this lady comes up who has a bleeding problem and touches Jesus. No, no, look, Jesus, this girl is dying. You, You need to get there to save her life. But Jesus stops. He's interrupted and he takes care of this woman and she's healed. And, and if you know the story, he takes so much time that he seeks her out. She's already been healed, but he seeks her out and he looks her in the face and says, your, your faith has healed you. So Jesus is interrupted and he doesn't get mad. He doesn't push people away. He pushes into it because he's created the space to be able to do that. In Luke 18, we, we have a blind man who hears that Jesus is, is coming, and so he begins to shout, have mercy on me, son of David. And everyone's like, Shh, you got to be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for that. And Jesus demands for the man to be brought to him, and Jesus heals him. Or you have the moment where Jesus is healing these babies and these little kids, and his disciples, the followers of Jesus, keep them from coming to Jesus. And Jesus has way more important things to do right now. He says, no, 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 don't, don't keep them from coming to me. He had the time to do something in their lives. And so this is the question I've been wrestling with. Do I live at a pace that allows me to be available to those around me? Am I available? And I'm not talking about as a pastor. I'm not, I'm not talking about my job. I'm talking about as a neighbor. Do I live at a pace where I'm available to the people who live right around me? I truly believe if we're going to be a part of this neighboring movement, we have to be intentional and we have to take the time. And to take the time, it means that we can't be so busy. And it means that we have to begin saying no. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to someone or something else. And so we have to realize, what am I going to say yes to and what am I going to say no to? What is most important? So I hope you've been working on your chart. It's not too late. Take the time, maybe even today, and fill that out.
But then I'm going to ask you to do something else. This week, don't, don't put it off. So this week, I'm going to ask you to stop doing something. It could be little. Stop doing something so you can start doing something. So stop something so you can start something. Maybe you're going to have a meal with a neighbor. Uh, maybe you're going to serve your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor's been sick. Maybe their grass is high. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe you just want to bake them some cookies. Uh, whatever it is, maybe there's something you can do to, to serve your neighbor. And then this is the big one. What if you put time in your schedule to do nothing? Like to do nothing. To just sit and be in the presence of your family, to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of your neighbors. One small move you can make that we try to do is we try to play in our front yard instead of our backyard. To get away from the fences that separate you from your neighbors and come out in your front yard. It's amazing what happens. But, but just sit in your front yard and do nothing. What, what would that look like? What, what would it look like to say, look, I'm not going to waste it. Doing nothing doesn't mean that you're wasting it. Doing nothing means that you're going to be intentional about how you spend your time. And part of that is maybe downloading the First Five app and participating in that. My wife was reading this morning, and she uh, said, hey, I read something. Uh, I think this would be really good uh, for where you're headed today. And so I want to read you this in closing, and I'll pray. The decisions you make determine the schedule you keep. The schedule you keep determines the life you live. And how you live determines how you spend your soul. Would you pray with me? God, I need help uh, with this. Um, uh, I, uh, it's my intention to be a great neighbor. Uh, my intention to love my neighbors as I love myself. Uh, but God, I've realized that I don't have a lot of space at times to do that. So God, would you forgive me? Would you help me? Would you uh, give me wisdom on how to figure this out? Help me to make wise decisions so that I can be a good neighbor to those around me. Would you help my friends this morning? Would you help all of us to believe that together, that there could be this movement that takes place because we love our neighbors well? God, thank you for loving us, to moving into our space, into our time, uh, to, to being who we needed you to be, God, a God who is full of grace and love and mercy, that you took the time, it cost you everything, to do that. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. 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 See you next week.